Welcome to We the People, a brand new podcast giving a Christian perspective on news, politics, hot topics, and so much more. Hosted by Rodney Nesmith, the worship pastor at New Life Fellowship in Lovelock, Nevada. This week, Pastor Rodney invited special guest Michelle Mortensen to join him. She's an eight-time Emmy Award-winning journalist and a licensed minister. Together, they're tackling the hot topic of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and how the church has or hasn't responded. It's a unique conversation on one of the most divisive subjects in America today. The premiere episode of We the People starts right after this quick commercial break. And now it's time for the premiere episode of We the People. Here's your host, Pastor Rodney Nesmith. All right. Hey, everybody. And we're, my name is Rodney Nesmith, and I had this idea of starting a podcast a few weeks ago and uh, came up with the name of We the People, uh, the world events, all kinds of world events and things from a Christian perspective, and uh, was talking to a lady on Facebook that is very in tune with the political world, especially in Nevada. And uh, we were talking about things and I said, I'd like to start a podcast. And I came up with the crazy idea and asked her if she would be interested in joining me in this podcast. And to my surprise, she said yes. And uh, I was happy about that. So with no further ado, uh, my co-host is Michelle Mortensen. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi. So excited to be here. Yes. Thank you. You know, I've, uh, I've spent a lot, my entire life in TV and uh, TV news, to be very specific, and then uh, began dabbling in politics quite a bit as well. And you know what? The one thing I loved about this is it kind of brings in that Christian perspective for world events. And as a Christian, as a lifelong Christian, as a Pentecostal Christian, I got to tell you, the the things that have been happening in the world, I've often been perplexed um, by the way that, that Christians respond. I've often been perplexed as to how the Christian community, the faith community responds to what's going on. And in, in so many... Or doesn't respond. Or, or doesn't respond is a great example because I think almost every situation could be like when they sent the 12 spies into the promised land and mm-hmm. you know, 10 of them were like, that place is freaking awesome, but we were like grasshoppers and they were like giants. There ain't no way we can go. And you right. just had Joshua and Caleb saying, oh, oh, but the Lord said we could do it. And this is our promised land. Let's go. And I've Bingo. noticed there's just been a lot of division, a lot of confusion, a lot of self-righteousness, a lot of seeing the end times and everything as if it's always the year, I don't know, 2002 and everyone's leaving the Left Behind series or something. Um, so I just thought this was a really great opportunity to talk about what's happening in the world today from that Christian perspective, knowing very well that there's going to be probably conservatives who listen to this, who will disagree with us vehemently, even though I am very much a conservative. There will be liberals who will listen to this and will disagree with us vehemently. There will be Christians who will listen to this and disagree with us vehemently. Absolutely. Uh, but there will be people who will agree with us as well. And I think it's just a great opportunity to to get the church involved because the church is often afraid to get involved. And I completely understand why, but this is not the time to be silent. So maybe this came about for such a time as this. Right. I agree. Um, the church, I was just going to say the church a lot of times oper- operates out of fear as yeah. well as, you know, fear of standing up for something and being called racist, homophobic and every other kind of phobic thing there is on the planet. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, to be bold and courageous, not to stick, not to be fearful. Uh, in fact, it says, do not three, fear 365 times. That's one time per day of a year. So I think there's a theme there that God's trying to get a point to us. Do not fear. And, uh, you know, we both come from the same denomination. We were raised assemblies of God, both of us, and um, I'm still in it. And uh, I think you still are. 
as yes. far as that goes. And uh, so, so you're you know, you're we, an actual you're are you ordained in the Assemblies of God? I am not ordained. I am a worship pastor in an in an Assemblies of God church, and uh, my sister in law is actually my pastor. Okay, I'm a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God, and my husband is an ordained pastor with the Assemblies of God. So. Um, for those who aren't a part of the Assemblies of God, it is a Pentecostal denomination. And, and like um, any other denomination, Baptist, Presbyterian, uh, you go to school and you take a bunch of classes. And that is how you can become a, a level of pastor. And as a licensed minister, basically, that just means I've done certain levels of work and I can marry people and all that kind of good sure. stuff. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I was ordained in California through a non-denominational church we were in for about 10 years, and I have actually done weddings, a couple of them, and so that was an interesting thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I let my husband do those, So, I, but yes, it's always interesting to, to, to officiate a wedding. Well, um, there are so many hot topics we could have chosen for this week, but Rodney, I think uh, you chose one that has just been on your heart quite quite a bit, and really it's been on the nation's heart too. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, the topic of Roe versus Wade and the overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision that was made in 1973 and the uh, uproar we've all seen since that overturning of that decision, which I believe was an absolutely fantastic decision to overturn it. It should have never been implemented to begin with, in my opinion. It was bad law and it was judicial activism that put it in place to begin with. So from a constitutional perspective, it's absolutely should have been overturned. And from a Christian perspective, I believe it should have been overturned as well. I was um, I was absolutely overjoyed and happy when it was uh, overturned as well. I was saddened, though, by the way the mainstream media and so many in the world responded to it. I was I was saddened for two reasons. Number one, there was this immediate well, now abortion is illegal. Now, now, now my constitutional right to abortion is gone. And that was not what was said. This was actually taking Roe v. Wade and saying each state gets to decide. It's, it's the most, we are a democratic republic. We run in a, we are a republic that runs by a democracy as opposed to a parliamentary system as they have in Great Britain, um, which is also a, another type of, uh, democracy, parliamentary system, we're a two-party system. And, and this is literally bringing it back to the states for the states to decide. So I was very saddened that immediately people jumped on this bandwagon that said, oh, it's gone. You know, your constitutional rights are gone. Right. Um, and then I was saddened by, well, I guess it was three things because I'm going to add one more. I was then immediately saddened by the activists out there, mainly liberal activists, who took to churches to perform, you know, dramatic interpretations of abortions and their yeah. state of protest. I was yeah. saddened by the people who doxed um, um, Amy Coney Barrett. They even told people where her kids were going to school so that activists could go and do something bad to them. And you almost had this attitude amongst the liberals that like, well, if we shot Amy Coney Barrett's kids at school, that would be a justified school shooting because she's the devil because she took away abortion. And then I was also saddened by the lack of a response from so many in the Christian community who have quite a pulpit. And but what, what I mean by that is I'm a big fan of Maverick City. I'm still a big fan of Maverick City. But it was just quiet, deafening silence when that came out, except from their drummer who posted something that said the government should be involved in a woman's body. And I'm like, I'm just so shocked right now because you wanted the government up in our bodies the entire time. During right. COVID. And yeah. that's just the wrong statement from like one of the premier worship teams. Yeah, it, it's an absolute wrong statement. Um, as I mean, we're we have a little church in rural Nevada. I mean, we might have 30 people, you know, on a good Sunday. And we were celebrating the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And uh, everybody I know was celebrating it. The churches that I know in California were celebrating it. And uh, granted, none of them are those are a mega church. But, uh, you know, as, as a Christian, as Christians, for heaven's sakes, if we can't celebrate the fact that there's going to be less babies murdered, there is something seriously wrong with us. 
something seriously wrong with us and our our connection to God's word and to God in general, for that matter. I, I agree. And I was I, I still am shocked because I'm friends with a lot of um, liberal Christians, if you will. Uh, part of that is my husband. I met my husband in Vermont where he was pastoring an Assemblies of God church in, in Vermont. And when you think about Vermont, that is um, it was so weird being in Vermont because I had come there from Texas where I was with like Brother Shambach. And if you know who R.W. Shambach is, you know what kind yes. of I was involved yes, in. Yes, I do. And then you go to Vermont and it's like, whoa, this is a bunch of socialist hippies, but they're Christians. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> and And so many of them have just had this, you know, They've been just so repulsed that that Roe v. Wade was overturned because they believe that it's just not kind to women because women can't make that choice. I've even heard some of them say, um, or maybe not them say, but I've also heard people say, you know, in the Bible, they they kill babies all the time. Um, you're right. In the Bible, throughout the Bible, there were people who tried to kill babies. Pharaoh tried to kill all the Israelite children and Moses been one of those who died. Yeah. Uh, they, it, it, when Jesus was born, there was a decree put out by Caesar that they were going to kill all of the babies who were under yeah. the years to two years of age because they wanted to kill the baby. There were kings in Israel after Solomon and before Josiah who would kill babies all the time because they were awful people who worshiped gods like Baal and they would do horrible yeah. things. But nowhere in the Bible was it like this killing babies thing is awesome. <laughs> no. no, and it was like you know, there was the uh, the uh, idol of Molech that people sacrificed their babies before their children to. That was not God directing those people to do that, and it was not a godly act. Nor is abortion a godly act. I mean, I look at I was looking at some statistics the other day about abortion, and since Roe v. Wade was enacted. We have slaughtered over 63 million babies in this country. It is the most disgusting, vile thing I can think of. And I was talking to someone yesterday and I said she was advocating for the woman's body and their rights and this and that. And what if they were raped and this and that? And I said, OK, I understand that there are awful things that happen to women sometimes. I get that. My wife was treated really badly by a stepfather when she was a child. And I'll just leave it at that. But in my mind, I don't see the point of it's tragic when that happens to a woman. I hate it. And I and it, it disgusts me. The people that do that kind of thing disgusts me to the core. And it's wrong. But if a woman is impregnated by a rapist, I, under, I would understand their knee-jerk reaction to want to get rid of the child. But I don't see the re a reason to make one tragedy into two, if you know what I mean. It was tragic they were raped. I get that, and I I would be I would feel horrible for them, but it's also tragic to end that child's life when that baby didn't have a choice in the matter of how it was created or who the father was or whatever the case was. And in and in most cases. I think a lot of Christians, there's a lot of Christians like yourself who even in the situation of rape believe that an abortion should not happen. There are a lot of people who, whenever it's a situation of rape, um, the mother or child's life is in danger, uh, that people don't take as much issue with that. And, and the truth of the matter is, um, as someone who's been a survivor of uh, sexual assault, as someone who, as a, as a journalist, I've had other journalists that I know of who have been sexually assaulted where people would just basically watch us on TV and they, you know, when you go to the hospital, they often offer you that morning after pill right away. Correct. And Correct. that is something that is not going to change. You, you can go and get a morning no. after pill at any local CVS right now, if you want to here in Nevada, Correct. Um, Correct. if that happens and you take that, I don't look at it. I, I know there's quite a few people who would disagree with me. But if that mm -hmm. happened and you chose to take that pill, I'm never going to judge you. I'm never going to say anything. You know, this is like an hour or so after you've been raped, maybe uh, five hours after you've been raped. I'm never going to I'm never going to judge you. In fact, I'm never going to judge you if you've had one or you're or not. I'm never going to judge Correct. you because that's well, not yeah, my I'm not either. I'm not either. And in fact, many women who've had abortions, um, it's it's not because they wanted to. It's not because, it, and it's been a tragic experience for them. It's been a hard mm -hmm. thing for them to get over. And I never judge yeah. any of them because I'm about loving people. 
and I'm about helping people. But in no way did any of this law, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and sending it back to the states, did it take away the morning after pill? In no. no interpretation of this law did it stop you from being able to get an abortion because there are going to no, be several states where you can still get an abortion. And That's in most correct. cases where the woman's life is in danger or in the case of rape, if that is what they choose, it's legal and, and able to. And if it's not what you want, that's fine. And we can get into a, a, a very theological debate as to whether you should or should not. But that's not even on the table, right? Right. Exactly. You've been raped and you want to take that morning after pill. Fine. Where it would be really tragic in my mind is if you were raped, you said no, and then you waffle about it for nine months. Right. And then, you know, week 35, you're like, I can't do this. Kill the baby. That's where it's in all the pro-life organizations that I've worked with. There is everyone kind of this this late term abortion trend that has just really popped up here in the last couple of years. It's very vile. It's very gross. It's very disgusting. And it's very much an American thing because you're not even able to abort babies in week 39 over in Europe. You know what I mean? You're not doing that. You're not doing that in the Middle East. You're not doing that in Russia. It's this disgusting thing that liberals have decided that at week 39, I should be able to abort my baby. That is gross. And that's not the same as well, I was just raped. I was in the hospital and someone gave me the morning after pill. Now, I don't, it sounds like you do not agree with me on this interpretation. Well, I know as far as that morning after pill, if, if a female is raped and decides to take that pill to prevent themselves from being, getting pregnant, you know, Hey, I have, I really have no issue with that. I really don't because that's preventing them from, from conceiving. So I don't have a problem with that. Where I have the problem is further down the line, like you were just talking about, when you're six months in or seven months in or or at the point of delivery and going, I, you, we got to get rid of this child because yeah. I can't do this. At that point, for me, it's like, okay, that's infanticide. You're, I'm sorry. You're just murdering a child because you don't want, you can't deal with it or don't want to deal with it. Okay. But if you're that close Deliver the child and give it up for adoption. And then you don't have to deal with the child again anyway. I mean, I do agree with you. And there's so many people who who don't think like you and I, who say that Christians like ourselves, um, that we're just birthers, we're just pro-birth, and, and that we're not for the child. And when anybody ever throws that in my face, I get so infuriated. Because as a pastor, as a pastor's wife, and as a lifelong Christian, because I've been in church since I was six weeks old, six weeks old, that's when I was dedicated to the Lord at six weeks. It was a Palm Sunday. Um, so so my butt's been there every day of my entire life. Amen, Amen sister. <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, and always Pentecostal. So yep. crazy speaking in tongues, Christian. That's who I am. Yep. It's Bingo. Yes. It's who I've always been. It's who I will always be. I have always been for, um, I've always been pro-life. I've always been pro-adoption. I've always been pro-helping women through the process so they don't have to endure this. I've never been for parents kicking teenagers out of their house because they no. got pregnant. Like, I'm not for any of that nonsense. No, the people neither am I. all of us Christians together like we're all freaking Westboro Baptists. And I'll be honest with yeah. you. I've never met a Christian who's like those Westboro Baptist freaks. And that's what I have not. I haven't either. And I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest. Those Westboro people are stinking freaks. That's all. They're freaks. They are to me. They're not a Christian because they don't represent Christ in anything they do. They don't in anything, anything, period. Exactly. You're going to be shocked at what I'm going to say right now. I know you are. (laughs) I'm the Pentecostal Christian who totally watches way too much Netflix. And (laughs) I know many of those. Yeah, there, right? Okay, I watch way too much. And I happened upon this show because I was bored. I just put it on. It was called God's Favorite Idiot. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not the most holy, theologically correct show on earth. Uh, okay. There's, there's a lot wrong with this show, but I'm watching it and I'm a committer. So like, I'm gonna watch it till the end. But one of the things that's so interesting in this show is there's this really righteous, like pastoral type person who, um, 
is like so many in Westboro Borough Baptist and in other Christian denominations who they are so convinced that they're so holy and they are so righteous and that they are so right that everything we say is right and it's hellfire and brimstone and everybody else is going to hell unless you do everything like I say. And what's so funny is that's so not biblical. That is definitely acting like a Pharisee who's like, oh God, look, we caught this woman in adultery. Stoner, stoner, stoner. And they would never be the people who would say, who would be Jesus, who would kneel down on his knee, play in the dirt a little bit and say, let he who is not sin cast the first stone. So let's be real. People who act like that are Pharisees and they are not followers of Jesus. Well, exactly. And that's to me, see, to me, and I got, to, I used to be a little bit pharisaical and legalistic. I'll be honest. And then, you know, I kind of realized that, you know what, this is not what God wants us to be as a Christian. This is not what Jesus portrayed. And we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. And so we need to follow in those footsteps. And that was not who he was or is. And those people that were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and every other kind of C, they were so religious and law-based that they couldn't see past their own, they couldn't even see their own sin for that matter, because they were holy, they were righteous, we're following the law to the letter and blah, 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 blah. Uh, No, you weren't. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, you weren't. And you were worse than the people that were just straight up sinners. You were worse. And that's the, that's the problem. There's this, there's this attitude in the church sometimes that, you know, we're righteous, we're right. And whatever we say, everybody else has to come on board with. And it, it's never should be what you say is right. It should be what the word of God says is right. And if the word of God and if Jesus is the person who would look at the woman who was caught in adultery and not cast the stone, why are there so many Christians out there who are ready to cast the stones? Because you're just as bad, quite honestly, as those people who aren't saved on the liberal left who want to kill people like you and me because they think that we're birthers who, you know, want to hurt women and, and you know, what, that we're forcing our religious views on all these people. It's like, no, we're, we're actually not. Because even in this podcast, we've said, I would never judge anyone who's had an abortion. I would help anyone who's had an abortion. I, I would do I would do any of that. And I'll tell you who wouldn't in 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 the Muslim faith and in many Middle Eastern countries. If you've had marriage outside of wedlock, what they'll do is they'll stone you. So see um, what, what they'll do in a Muslim country where, where they, they follow the Quran. If you if you're gay, uh, they'll they'll stone you uh, or throw you off a rooftop. Or throw you off a rooftop here, here in where the word we're in our world, where we live on the word of God. Uh, we're not doing that to anybody. We would never, that would never even cross our mind because it's about loving people. And so that's where there's this really mixed message because I feel like we've allowed the church has, has allowed the liberal media to basically say these things about us and they never really counter them. They, they never they never counter it. They just kind of sit silently and meekly, or they're that overly religious right person who also thinks that, okay, I'm going to say something here, but they think like, I think Donald Trump is the second coming of Christ. And then, <laughs> you know, that obviously Donald Trump has a special seat right next to the right hand of the father. It's like, no, that not, one's for not, Jesus, but okay. Not that I, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's just as bad as those Christians who've made Trump their god as being a meek Christian who's like, I don't know, all these Christians have made Trump their god, so you know, I'm not going to say anything at all. Right, it, it's not okay to be meek. It's not okay no. to be mild when the world is saying you're something, and that's absolutely not who you are. You should speak up. Exactly. Well, and this this has gone on for years, though, Michelle. I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest. If the church was really out being the church. Roe v. Wade could have, would have probably never got put into place to begin with. Um, the Ten Commandments probably would have never been pulled from, you know, our federal buildings. Prayer would have probably never been pulled from schools. Um, all of these things would have, pro- the Bible would still be openly allowed in school like it used to be. Uh, the church has been too meek and too quiet for too long. And in that, 
so many things have happened that I believe if the church had been the church all along and spoke up and stood out and said, hey, this is wrong. This is sinful. This is not the way our nation should be going. Some of these things probably wouldn't have happened. Um, I, I agree. And I think there's just been, we are kind of full spectrum because you either have Christians who are completely too silent or you have Christians who are just off their rocker. Like there's Westboro Baptist off their rocker. And then yeah. there's like anything Trump says is, you know, came from the mouth of Jesus off your rocker. And there's yeah. just, there's not a lot of, hey, this is what the word of God says. Bingo. And And the word of God says, that we are not to judge. The word of mm -hmm. God says that we are to love your neighbor as yourself. The word Correct. of God clearly says there's only one way into heaven and it's through the sun. <laughs> yep, um, absolutely. These, these are like, these are facts. And, and yeah. people will say, oh, well, you know, God hates abortion. You're, you're right. God hates abortion. But God's mm -hmm. not up there saying like, oh, you had an abortion. You're not welcome into heaven. There's not going to be this great white throne of judgment person where the person who had the abortion comes in and God's going to be all like, get away from me. I never knew you. No, I think he's going to do that to the Westboro Baptist people. But that's just my. <laughs> I, I, I agree, because let's be honest, the Bible says there are going to be those people that come before Christ and say, well, we didn't didn't we do these mighty things in your name yeah. and X, Y and Z. And Christ is going to look at him and say, depart from me. I never knew you because it isn't about what you say. It's about what you live. You can people can say anything they want because, you know, they say that America is a Christian nation. OK, at one point it might have been. But right now it's not. Let's be mm. honest. It is not a Christian nation. And there are Christians in it. Yes, absolutely. And the Christians need to step up and be a bigger force in this nation for moral righteousness, for right versus wrong and for biblical principles, because my pastor even tells us when she's preaching. Look, what I'm telling you is the word of God, but check it for yourself. And if I'm wrong, call me on it. If I'm not preaching the word of God, the way it's written and printed, your job is to call me on it and say, hey, you know what? I went and checked that. And what you said isn't exactly lining up with the word of God. And any pastor worth their salt should be able to do the same thing and be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, you know, you brought up that verse, um, I believe it's in Matthew, where it says, but didn't we do signs and wonders in your name? Yes. And he goes, I never knew you. And um, I'm really good about knowing what book it's in. Maybe I know the chapter. I'll never tell you the verse. I'm horrible at that. But <laughs> um, I've always said that was one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Yes, in my opinion. it is. Because there's, there's going to be this moment where people who really thought that they were right with God. And they might have been healing people, doing miracles, doing great things in his name. But what that verse is kind of telling us is if your heart is not right and you're not really with Jesus, that because we often talk about this in the Christian community. I don't know if the, the regular world talks about this, but there's gifting that can take you a lot further than character. And, and, and so you may be a very gifted pastor. You may be a very gifted, you know, speaker. Uh, you may be able to, you know, rally up a crowd like nobody's business and people get excited and they think that they're healed and things of that nature. But if, if Jesus isn't in it, it isn't in it. And if Jesus is, maybe Jesus is in it and maybe Jesus has gifted you with amazing gifts and amazing ability. But if you're not right with him, that's when you're going to do signs and wonders in his name. But he never knew you personally. And God will use someone who is wrong, like who's a pastor who might not be right just to reach that one person who really needs that message. Because God's not going to sit there and be like, well, you're the pastor and you're totally screwing up, but you know, uh, I'm going to let your flock just die. He's never going to let that happen. No. And no. I'm not a pastor hater. Not, so don't, don't hear that when I say that. It's just easy to pick on pastors because no matter how old you are, whether I say Jimmy Swagger or whether I say, <laughs> you know, uh, the, 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 the cool dude from the Hillsong Church in New York who was cheating on his wife. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Brian Houston. No, no, not Brian Houston. That's the guy from Australia. The New York yeah. guy who dressed in black. He was oh, a, okay. Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name either. He 
was hip and cool. He hung out with Justin Bieber. And then it was all like, yeah. oh, he's cheating on his wife with the secretary. Um, that, yeah. that happens a lot. Now, I'm not saying that these people aren't safe because everyone's relationship is right with them. But what I am saying is that it's easy to use pastors in his example and that right. we're all human. We're all mm-hmm. normal. We all fall short of the glory of God and we can all make mistakes. But making Bingo. a mistake is totally different from really not having a relationship with him and letting your exactly gift right. act as if you're being used by him. Exactly and that's right. a lot of Christianese I just threw at a lot of people. So like if you're not super saved and haven't been in the church a long time, you probably don't know anything about what we're talking about. <laughs> but I got it. <laughs> uh, and what another thing too is the fact is, you know, this whole thing, this whole walk with Jesus and Christianity thing, it's not about religion. It's not religion. It's a relationship. It's supposed to be a one-on-one relationship between you and Jesus Christ, him living inside of you and dwelling inside of you and leading you through this life in the manner that's pleasing to him. And your des- our desire as Christians should be to please him and live in a manner that honors him. That's what we need to do. And that's how we need to love people we need to show people kindness, compassion. Yeah, is there sin? Yes. And if we're talking to a sinner, we need to say, hey, you know what? Your life's not lining up with what God wants, but but we can get you there. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And bringing this back to the issue of abortion, um, even though this issue is going to be going back to the states, we live in the state of Nevada. And this is really a, a non-issue in the state of Nevada because it is already codified that abortion up till 20 weeks is protected in this state. So nothing is going to change about it here. So in some of your really deep blue states, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, things may change. Right here in Nevada, there isn't going to be any change. So in my opinion, that means the church needs to continue to step up and maybe even more so in helping places like First Choice Pregnancy Center, um, the Women's Resource Center of Southern Nevada. I don't know what organizations you guys have up north in Northern Nevada, but these organizations that literally do help women who've made that choice or thinking about that choice, like, should I get an abortion? Should I keep the baby? What should I do? Helping those organizations to have even more money, have even more ultrasound machines, um, have the ability to do even more adoptions. Um, I'm very pro-adoption. This is probably going to shock you, Rodney, but I'm going to say it. I'm even okay with abortion with uh, gay and lesbian couples. I do not have it. If you are, if you want to take care of a child and you are a good person, there are so many children out there who have needs. I don't take issue with it. I know there's a lot of Christians who disagree with me and that's totally okay. But there are so many kids who need a good home. That we don't even have enough Christians to have for all of them to say, bring it on in. And not every family can take on that financial burden to adopt. That is very true because adoption is expensive and and it's a process. And that's something that every state, I think, really needs to work on is to make adoption not such an arduous, expensive process so that it is a so that it is something people turn away from for that very reason. I mean, it shouldn't be a $50,000 thing or whatever the cost is and months of whatever for somebody to adopt a child that's in need of a home. I don't get it It shouldn't be that hard. Because you'll let any fool become a foster parent and you'll give them money hand over fist to abuse that child and treat that child horribly. But when it comes to adoption, it's like, show me the money. And it it really- And the foster system also- They'll go from home to home to home to home to home. And then once they're 18, okay, out the door, you're on your own. And they're what are they going to do? Right. So you know what would be awesome? If members of Congress and members of Nevada State Legislature would get off their butts and start bringing about a, adoption reform and, a- and, and the, reforming the, the foster system. Because yeah. it, it, it sickens me that there are so many kids being abused out there in the foster system where these families are just yeah. taking money hand over fist, not giving it to the kids. The kids are being abused and that there's kids in this country who cannot be adopted. There's kids all over the world who cannot be adopted because of these financial strings. And I'll be honest with you. It's not like any of that money is ever going to the kid. No, no, I saw this. My husband showed me this, um, piece from this CBS reporter. Um, 
It's always whenever I want to share a story. I can't remember it's anybody's name. He's the guy who throws the <laughs> dart at the map and then he goes there and he tells someone's story. So he found this beautiful home in, in North Carolina. I mean, it was beautiful. And you knew that this family was loaded. God love them. God love them. But they adopted two little boys from Africa. And he was doing a story on, it was Steve Hartman. There we go. My Alzheimer's has not fully kicked in yet. There we go. Um, it was Steve, Steve Hartman's story. And the little boy got a birthday cake and it was all lit up and he just was bawling. He thought that birthday cake was the most beautiful thing that he ever saw. And it was no one had ever celebrated his birthday when he was in Africa. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even important. And you just watched this kid ball and you just watched how, how important it was for someone to value this child, to love this child. And God bless that family that already had like three or four kids and adopted two little boys, two little brothers from Africa, just to give them a better life. And I bet you dollars to donuts, if it was more affordable, there are more people in the Christian community right here in America who would do it. But we've made it a system. We're only rich folks in North Carolina or rich folks wherever in the big mansion who, um, what was the movie where the rich lady adopted the little boy who became a football star? It's Oh, yes. Uh, blind, uh, blind side. The blind side. Yes. It, they've made it for, for fancy rich folk who are super bougie to go and be able to adopt somebody anywhere. But normal folks can barely afford it. And that's the problem. Right. And, and you know, I have a friend in California. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. She's more like a sister than a friend who has been a foster parent. And I've seen in the time I've known her and their family take in so many foster kids. And they've even adopted a couple of them uh, because they grew so attached to them. And, you know, the stories that I've heard from those kids, what they've gone through in different homes and whatnot, it's just disgusting. And it's, it's so wrong that it, it, you're thinking, who would do such a thing to a child? You know, these people, and it's like you said, they're in it for the money. They don't give two hoots about the kids. It's all about, give me the money and I'm going to live good. And I don't care if the kids are clothed or fed or anything else. And if you don't like it, take them and put them in a different foster home. Exactly. And that's why things need to change. There's a another Netflix documentary I watched about a little, I remember covering this at Channel 8 um, when it happened. And there was a little boy who was with his mom and his, you know, stepdad and child protective services had been called in many times. The teachers had called and said, you've got to do something about this kid and this poor kid was killed. And then you found out just the amount of abuse and, and, and what they did to this child and, and nobody did anything right. And when anybody tried to bring child protective services or anybody in, there was no one there who was really advocating for them. I guess my point with bringing that up is this, there's a lot of kids who need an advocate. And I believe the church and Christians should be that person. And we should be the ones who are putting pressure on lawmakers to make these changes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I couldn't agree more. These lawmakers are not going to reform the adoption process. They're not going to reform the foster system. They're not going to reform any of this because let's be honest, they could have done something with immigration. They haven't since Reagan. They, they could do something about gas prices, but we're going to act all greeny and not do it. And I could get us on a whole bunch of topics on what Congress <laughs> ain't going to do because Congress isn't going to we'll do save those for other podcasts. <laughs> right, right. I could go off forever, but they're not going to do anything. But that's where I wish the church would really rise up and start to demand it. I agree. Um, and if we're not going to demand it and we're going to say we're not going to demand that of government because it shouldn't be government, the church should be doing it, then gosh mm -hmm. darn it, church, rise up. And I want to see you making affordable adoptions. I want to see you making, I want to see us come together and make this happen because right. we are not loving children enough. And if, they're, if no. I'll let any liberal attack me on this issue, I'll, I'll allow it because I'll say, you know what? I think we as the church, the big church, big mm -hmm. C church, we haven't done enough. We should be doing more. You as an individual, me as an individual, a lot yeah. of folks that I know, my amazing church, City Life, we've done, we do it all the time. <laughs> it's yeah. what we're doing all the time, but it needs to be more. It needs to be that by tenfold, a hundredfold. We need I more. I agree. I agree because if, I mean, let's, let's be honest and it sounds cliche and okay, I'll sound cliche. Kids are our future. They are absolutely our future. We say this in our church all the time. When we've got little kids in the church, that's the future church. And if we don't reach those kids, who's going to? That's the bottom line. And, 
it's our job as Christians to reach the kids. And you'd be amazed. Well, no, you probably wouldn't be amazed. You've probably seen it happen. But if you can reach kids, you can reach parents. Yeah, you can. Because the kids will take home what they're learning at church. And you don't think they're going to tell their mom and dad? Wrong. They are exactly going to tell their mom and dad. And then at some point, their mom and dad are going to go, man, these kids are coming home with some information. I'm, I'm going to go check this out and see what it's about. You know, I've seen it happen many times. I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I agree with you 110%. I just don't think we're seeing nearly enough of it. So if there's one criticism I'll take, it's that we aren't doing enough. And we've got to find a way to collectively do more. Because that, I guess, I know we need to start wrapping up here. But I, I guess that's another thing we could do. Far too often, because you and I are super churched, we're part of the super church. We've been there our whole lives. Um, we know that churches can really get into like, well, this is what first church of the church is doing. And this is what second church of the church is doing. And, and the guys over there are doing this one. And we'll often have like five churches that are doing back to school drives. And get cute. You know, what would be super awesome if it wasn't always about putting your church first. Like it was our church that fed the poor. But no, it was our church that fed the poor. No, no, no. It was our church that fed the poor. Y'all freaking fed the poor. You know what would be better if y'all worked together and it didn't have to be blah, blah, blah church and blah, blah, blah church's event. And it was the churches. And you, but, and you know what's the bad part about that is I agree with you. The churches should work together. But unfortunately, some churches don't want to work with other churches. Nope. Because they're the quote, wrong denomination or whatever it is, or uh, they, they don't believe quite exactly like I do. And so I can't really, I can't really get on board with that, you know, that backpack program or that community outreach program that that church is trying to do because exactly. we're not exactly on the same page. Right. Do you believe in God or not? That's right. Are you a Christian or not? You call yourself a Christian. I don't care about your denomination. Get on board or get out of the way. I'll work with any Christian. I don't care if you're Southern Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Westboro Baptist is where I draw the line. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, agree. Every Westboro Baptist person who's listening hates us. Yes, they do. They hate you know, us anyway. I won't work with the Branch Davidians. So now I'm just cracking <laughs> no. bad jokes right now. <laughs> bad jokes. Bad jokes. Um, but no, I don't care. Like our, I will work with anybody because what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to feed the poor. We're supposed to take care of those that are, Correct. you know, the, the, those that are orphans. We're supposed to take care of those that are in prison. We're supposed, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so absolutely. we need to do it and we need to demand our lawmakers do more. And we, as mm -hmm. Christians who believe in this need to speak up more when the mainstream yeah. media is out there saying, well, this is what Christians believe, because it's not right. what we believe. It, no. it, it's 100% not what we believe. Are we against abortion? Well, yeah, it's not our favorite thing. Are we no. against someone who had an abortion? No. Are we grossed out by women who are like, I've had five and I can't wait to have five more? Yeah. Yes. You gross. <laughs> yeah, you're disgusting. You know, because you're you're doing it for freaking sport. And that's totally something different than the woman right. who was scared or the teenager who was scared and maybe made right. a choice that they didn't, that they're going to leave with repercussions for that for years to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not for killing babies. I never will be for killing babies. Uh, that's no. not, that's something I will never, never get on board with. But again, I, I, I don't hate the women that go to make that choice because a lot of times they're, like you said, in a bad situation, they don't know what to do. They, you know, they've been, whatever the case is. I mean, there's so many different kinds of cases that would bring that about. Um, they know they can't go home if they don't get rid of the kid. They, you know, their, their boyfriend is pressuring them to get rid of the kid or their husband maybe even is pressuring them to get rid of it because it doesn't fit our career path, you know, or whatever the case, it's an inconvenience. We can't fit that in right now. You know, that's there's so many scenarios. Um, am I against abortion? Absolutely. I'm against abortion because I think there's better ways to deal with it. And those decisions need to happen pre-sex, not post-sex. Yeah, and that's a that's a really, really hard one to, I think, 
um, to bring up, particularly when we're talking about our kids. You know, my kids are are still little, and I I I'm hoping that I will be the type of parent who will hopefully encourage them to you know abstain and make certain choices, right? But at the end of the day, when free will kicks in, you can do whatever you want. So the difference is is if that's going to happen. Am I going to be the type of mom who says, well, then let's get you on birth control and let's make sure you know about this thing called protection? Or do I just close my eyes and be like, Jesus, well, make it not happen? Because that's just being a stupid Christian at that point. (laughs) Like, if you know your kids having sex, then do something about it. You know what I mean? Don't let them get themselves pregnant. You might not. Yeah. Don't let them be ignorant about it. Let make them overeducated, if anything else. I mean, if that's possible, but I mean, you know, and it's like, and I am absolutely for pregnancy centers that take women in that are even thinking about abortion and, you know, talk them through the process or whatever, and maybe even show them a sonogram of, of their baby. I think that's life changing. I think it's world changing for a lot of women when they actually see that life inside them. And I'm, you know, what I'm really tired of hearing is the fact that, well, it's my body, my choice. When there's another body inside your body, it's not just your body anymore. There's another body growing inside you. That that's right. And and there was also a man who had to be a part of that somehow to create yeah. that baby to be in there. Exactly. So it's not just a woman's choice. No. Yes. The the baby is through the gestation period for you know forty weeks is in your body, but it's not just your body. There's the body of the baby. There's two people who created that baby. And Mm -hmm. and you want to know how I know it's a baby and not a fetus. You want to know how I know? Because there are women who spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to get impregnated through in vitro fertilization. And then Mm -hmm. when that embryo is created, they know that they're having a baby and they're super excited about it. Exactly. I've been pregnant three times. I've lost one child. I've known it was a baby the entire time. I knew I lost the child when they no longer could find a heartbeat for the child, right? Absolutely. We we all know it's a baby. So it's a baby when you want it, and it's a fetus when you don't. To make it more convenient. Or a clump of cells. Correct. To make it more convenient for you to say this is easy to get rid of. Well, whether you agree with this or not from a spiritual standpoint, there's this little thing called the morning after pill. And this is where I go, you know, this is where information is important because if you're 16 years old and having sex and and you had sex and the condom broke and you're scared. Why are you waiting four months to find out if you're pregnant? And if you've missed four periods, go get the morning after pill because and I know many people are going to go and like, Michelle, you're the worst Pentecostal I've ever met. The morning after pill is still abortion. I know that. I know that. I'm aware of that. But if you take it after sex, you don't know that you're pregnant then yet you either. Right. Because no. you don't you don't know like. Five hours later, you don't know a day no. later. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like you're magically going to go, oh, my word, I just got pregnant. Right. You know, an mean, hour ago, an hour you know, ago, I know I'm pregnant. It's not like, you know, what happened for Mary, where an angel's going to come down and be like, you don't have a baby. And that there name is Jesus. I know you haven't had sex yet, but just trust me. It doesn't work yeah. like that for anyone no. other than Mary. So, exactly. Um, you know, you know, if you've had unprotected sex and because the morning after pill is a thing and you can go get it anywhere. I just don't understand why we aren't talking about that more. And instead, we want women who are or teenage girls who are four or five months pregnant to go and have a baby ripped from them, where many places like Planned Parenthood don't use it even with an ultrasound where these mm-hmm. women can be these young girls can be damaged. Right. Damaged. And I'm going to be honest from my standpoint. If somebody does like a rape victim or somebody that just had sex and thought, oh, crud, I might get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. I can't do this kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. To me, the morning after pill, especially if you're taking it before you even know you're pregnant or could be pregnant, that's to me, that's not an abortion because you're preventing a pregnancy. You're not killing an embryo or a, or a child or, you know, whatever you want to call it because it hasn't even started yet. Cause it's still in that, if you take it right after it's still in that fertilization process. Bingo. I mean, so it's, it depends on how purist you are. You know, if you're, if you're like, 
because there, there, there are some, and I don't have a problem with the people who believe this, that they're the purest, that the minute that sperm hits that egg, it's a done deal. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just saying for right. me, I've, I've reached the point that that's if, if the morning after pill is a thing and it is, and it exists and anybody and their brother can get it at any pharmacy. I don't know why we don't talk about that more so that there are less abortions happening at, at four months, eight, eight months, nine months, because that just, it really grosses me out. There's a, yeah. there's a big difference between like, well, I don't know, maybe I should wait and find out if I'm pregnant. Well, I did miss my period, but maybe I'm going to wait like another month just to be sure. Like, that's just stupid. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, and, yeah. and that's not being very, you're, you're not educating people. Right. I guess at that point, no. like how pregnancy happens, how it works, no. <laughs> how yeah. do you get pregnant? And I'm sure there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm sure there's a lot of peer, girls who believe stupid things like, well, if he doesn't put it in the whole way, I can't get pregnant. Well, that ain't true. You know, so I'm sure there's a lot of stupid things that people believe. And, yeah. and, and that's where education really matters. I think we need to educate people more. And I think we need we to do. let people know that abortions are not this like super safe procedure that doesn't carry emotional scars. And potentially right. and, very and physical, physical scars. scars a lot of times too. Yeah. I know, I know a couple women who have had them and they've had severe repercussions because of it. Mm -hmm. And that's horrible. And so we can be honest about that too. I think, I think that's the other big problem. And hopefully as we kind of wind down, we can talk about this, that, you know, the word of God says um, that the truth will set you free. Correct. And and there's never been a more true state. That's like the most perfect, beautiful statement in the word of God, because the mm -hmm. truth will set you free. You cannot argue and, with the yeah. truth. People Amen. do argue with the truth. People deny the truth. People don't like the truth. The truth can be a really well, bitter pill. But when and you everybody have wants it, their own truth. And I, the, my truth ain't the truth. My truth is your truth. And that's just your interpretation you. and how you want to think. But when we deal with like real hardcore truth, it sets you free. Yep. And so when Agreed. you educate people, when you give people options, when you give people choice, when you give people information, when you're freaking honest instead of overly self-righteous, there will be mm -hmm. people who will listen to me talk and they will be like, you are not righteous enough, Michelle. And it's like, you know what? We had a we had a saying in the South and Texas, you know, that you were religious and not righteous because those would be the same people who were on the strip club on Saturday night, but they sure found their butts in church on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> so I don't give a rat's about your religiousness. I give yep. a rat's about your righteousness and righteousness pursues truth and the truth right. will set you free. I'm not saying mm -hmm. you're always going to like it. I'm not saying it's always a fun no. pill to swallow. Sometimes it's a bitter pill to swallow. And, uh, but, and that's why a lot of people don't want to hear truth because it hurts. Yeah. It's not always nice and fluffy bunnies and, you know, you know, cotton balls. It's sometimes it straight up hurts, but it still needs to be said. So that people can understand, okay, I didn't like hearing that. It didn't feel good, but they were brave enough to tell me the truth, regardless of the repercussion of it. That needs to be something that the church stands for, period, all day, every day. Truth, speak truth, godly truth, and let it set people free. Truth, and then I will add to that truth and transparency. Yes. Because when you're truthful and you're transparent, you're not hiding anything. Immediately, then you have security. It's well, it's kind it, of like in a, yeah. it's in a marriage. You know, if you're always like, I want a room where my husband's at. I don't know what's going. On. He's never home. I can't find him at work. There's not a lot of transparency about what you're doing. You're like, oh, he <laughs> got to be cheating. He got to be cheating. You don't have any security <laughs> when you're like. All right, honey, I'm going to Costco. Okay, I know where he is. He's going to Costco. I'm not that worried about it, right? When there's transparency, right. you can have security. So when you give Correct. people truth and you give people transparency, they might not always like it. It might not always feel great, but I will tell you this, you're secure. So when right. you lie and you're like, oh, our teenagers aren't having sex. Our teenagers don't do that. Every child in our youth group is a holy child who will not even kiss <laughs> someone. It's like, until they're married. <laughs> <laughs> right. Glenn's like, you are a bunch of fools. Shut up. That is not true. You're so lying. You're lying to yourself now. Right. So be truthful. Be transparent. Hey, we know what y'all doing. We know you y'all are kissing. Y'all probably trying to do more. Y'all probably want to do more. The minute you're honest, transparent, and truthful, you can have real conversations and make a real difference. 
when you Absolutely. wear these stupid blinders and pretend and you're not transparent and you're not truthful, that's when we have problems. So my biggest goal for the church overall is to let's be transparent and let's be truthful, whether it's Wade or anything else. Let's right. be the truth and transparency generation. And, you know, I have, I mean, uh, even though I was raised in church, I was in church literally while my mother was pregnant. So it was pre-birth I was in church. But even though I was raised in church, I still went out and did my own thing. You know, once I got past 18 and I moved away from home, I said, okay, now I'm going to go see some stuff that I couldn't do before. You know, I'm going to experience what else is out there. Part of it, to my own detriment, a lot of times, because it got me to a point where I had a real bad drinking problem. And, and I knew it was wrong. And there were, I still went to church occasionally to appease my parents and to keep them off my back. Didn't mean I drank less or did less stupid things until I realized that this isn't going to work for me. I'm headed down a really bad road. And that road was going to lead me straight into full-blown alcoholism. And who knows what else from there. But thankfully, because of my upbringing, because of my background in church, I knew what to do and where to go to change that path. We have to show people that option, that other path. We have to show, you know, I don't care if you're doing drugs, you're, you're a sex addict, you're an alcoholic. I don't care. There's a better way. And you can get out of this. I can't get you out of it, but I know somebody who can. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I think so many people in the Christian church, you, you, there's there's two there. Sometimes it feels like there's only two people in church. There's the people who've been in jail and they're like, I murder people. <laughs> I was an alcoholic and I was a burglar and I was a, and you're just like, oh, my God, I don't have a testimony like that. And then there's the, you know, people like you and me who've let, been in the church the whole time or whatever. And we're like, yeah, pretty good people. We don't have an awesome testimony. If we're honest, though, when we aren't always on it. Did I drink in college? You bet your bottom dollar I did. Did I drink in my first job in Lake Charles, Louisiana, my first TV, my second TV job in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and my third TV job in Tyler, Texas? I sure as shooting did. I ain't even going to deny it, right? I did. <laughs> I was that person who would like drink and I could be out till 2 a.m. and I could still make it to church on Sunday morning. I was one of those religious, but not right people too. And it wasn't even you're that. Pre you're like, preaching to the choir, Michelle. You're preaching to the choir. And I'm not even like, I know the assembly God hates me right now. And they're just going to be like, we need to <laughs> rub her. We need like. to kick them out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't even care if you drink now. Like, I don't. I don't care if you drink. I care if you get drunk. I care if you take it too far. Thank I, if you. If you want to drink, who cares? I'm not here to judge you, right? I personally choose not right. to drink. I'm this teetotaling, you know, like, I'm, I'm a nerd. But I don't really care. I don't. That doesn't mean I won't have a drink. I was in Hawaii. Did I have a drink in Hawaii? I did. You know, who cares? It's not well, that. And the, you know, the, one of the biggest misconceptions I find with the non-churched crowd, and even some in the church crowd for that matter, is that being a Christian is boring. You can't yeah. have fun and be a Christian. Are you flipping kidding? I have had more fun as a Christian than I had when I was a drunk. As sober. I have I more fun. fun. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I didn't have fun when I was doing the other thing. I'm not saying I didn't have fun, but I'm not worried about what happens when I'm having that fun now. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm right, not right, worried right. about maybe getting a DUI or getting in an accident or, or somebody else that's driving with me in the car, getting in an accident or, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not, I don't have to worry about any of that because that's not what I'm doing. You know, right. but, and man, I, I have fun. I have fun in church. I do too. <laughs> you know? I do too. I, I've, I've always found it fun. And I think that, I think it's all fun. And I think when we're honest about it, if you're honest about it, it is all fun. It, you know, when it's never fun is when it's gone too far. Yeah. Okay. Because if we're honest, a night out. And you were drinking and you're partying and you're having a good time with your friend. That's fun. Where it's not fun is when all of a sudden you get sick and you're puking your brains out. That part sucks. Um, when it's not fun is when you decide to drive and you hurt yourself or someone else. Then that's, that's when right. it sucks, right? So we can yep. be honest. There's lots of things that are fun to do in the world, but it's about limits. And it's about, yeah. 
And and that's what I love about what the word of God gives us is it basically tells <laughs> us, it gives us those limits and, right. and, it, and, and it explains that to us. And um, that's why the Bible is the best, you know, thing that's ever been written. Um, yep. Yep. And it's why we follow it so closely. And that's what I love about, even though Rodney and I, believe it or not, Rodney and I do not know each other that well. <laughs> We don't. Yes, we, we, we actually we actually do not. We don't, and and whatnot. But what I've what I liked about Rodney immediately is this, as we were chatting one day on Facebook is that we kind of have the same. Uh, well, we have the same background. We're both AG people. We kind of know a lot of that, but we we kind of we're just we're we're realists, and we're like we love Jesus, we love people, we love the truth, and we want to get that out there. There's not this great, you know, we're not these judgmental people. And we want other people to know that uh, having faith does not mean that you're a Debbie Downer. Having faith does not mean that you hate women. Having faith Correct. does not mean any of those things. That's and right. really kind of showing the church in a different light. And, uh, you know, my, one of my hopes of doing this was to show that there are amazing, passionate Christians who are not freaking crazy. And there's yeah. a proper way to interpret what's going on in the times and an improper way to interpret what's going on with the times. And, and this is a way to really talk about that openly. And, yeah, and so I, I hope that people have enjoyed our, our roundabout talk about Roe v. Way. I just have a right. feeling we're going to pick a topic every week and every week we're going to go from, I mean, we've done drinking, premarital sex, like where <laughs> we go? We went everywhere. This must be at Roe v. Way. <laughs> we went everywhere and I could have gone like but, 8 million other places but, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. I could have too. But what I do like, even we, yeah, we went on Roe v. Wade and we went on, on a lot of other things too, but we were... The bottom line is, I want to speak truth to every situation, whatever the situation is, whether it's Roe v. Wade, whether it's politics, world events, I don't care what the subject is, I want to speak truth to it, real truth, not my truth, not your truth, not somebody else's truth, the truth. There's only one truth. Believe it or not, people, there's only one. And uh, that's what I want to happen. I want to be able to get the real truth out to people. So that they can hear it and decide for themselves, they're nuts, or I want to hear more about what they have to say, or whatever that case is, whether it's about Roe v. Wade or any other subject. And uh, and I want just anybody that is listening that if you've had an abortion, I hold no judgment against you whatsoever. That's not my place. My job as a Christian is to love you with the love of the Lord and try to lead you in a right direction. That's what I'm supposed to do, not judge you or anything like that. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Amen. And I believe that I agree with that 110%. And I hope that we as Christians also work very hard to create safe places and not the wrong term of safe places that people like to abuse, but like safe places where people can come and ask the questions, get the information and also find godly solutions to problems, whether that be helping people with an adoption telling them about the morning after pill, whatever the case may be, so that people right. can make wise decisions so we can truly love on people. Because Absolutely. that's really even more so than asking our lawmakers to fix the problems. If mm-hmm. we were that answer here on earth, it would make all the difference in the world. And I hope that the people in our lives know us well enough to know that if they were in a situation and they found themselves pregnant, not knowing what to do, that they could come to us and get love, acceptance, mm-hmm. Absolutely. truth, and someone to walk with them, whatever decision they make. And I think that's another important thing to say too, because while you and I may not agree with the decision to terminate, you and I, I don't know you that well, but I believe that we would not be people who would turn and say, well, I will have nothing to do with you anymore. I think it would no. be the exact opposite. We would embrace them even more Absolutely. and try to help them through this decision that they made. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what every one of us needs, if we're honest, is we need somebody to embrace us, whether we're good, bad, or ugly. Amen. You know, that's that's it. We all need that kind of person in our life, whether it's one or more than one, hopefully more than one, but at least one that will love you in spite of everything. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, for our first show, I don't think it was that bad. I mean, I'll have to listen to it when I edit it. (laughs) And I might have a very vast different opinion, but hopefully it was pretty good. Hopefully someone out there in the podcast universe listened, and hopefully they'll uh, join us next week as well.
Hey, if nothing else, I know I've got about at least five people at my job that want to hear this as soon well, as it's posted. <laughs> well, we got five listeners and I'm sure my husband will listen. So there you my go. My wife will listen. My wife will listen. And my pastor and my pastor will listen. And you'll have to tell me, uh, you know, like if your pastor was like, we need to kick her out of the AG. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way she is. No, no, no. They're not going to kick me out. I just like to crack jokes. and It's better to, you oh, know. Oh, I know. So do I. Got to have fun. <laughs> Got to have fun. All right. Well, until next week, thank you uh, for having me, Rodney. And I, I hope everyone at home have fun. Thank you for being a wonderful guest. And I look forward to doing this again. <laughs>